Reviewing TV shows and films, dishing out sports picks and dimes, providing you a slice of economics with a hidden gem tied in. Become a paid subscriber to Preston Super Show at anchor.fm slash Preston's Super Show slash subscribe. Thanks for listening and God bless. How you been? Good. How about you? And I'm good. I'm blessed. God's good, man. He's really good. Amen. We're alive, ain't it? That's exactly right. And I'm going to take that every day. You know what I mean? Exactly. I'm not going to. Another day is another day. That's right, my brother. And I don't really think about tomorrow. I, I just try to, whatever I can do today, that's good enough. You know what I mean? The first thing I looked at was when we we're talking about the Greater Israel Project with the voice on the Middle East, Christopher Roberts. And the main thing I've noticed out of this is that there's so much on the trying to water it down, um, saying it's a, a giant conspiracy theory. And anybody who believes it is a lunatic. QAnon. Yeah, yeah. You have to be some type of just crazy person to think that this is real. And I say, well, that's like what people do to try to silence people, isn't it? They try to say, well, you're crazy or that that can't be true. And, and that's how they silence you. You know what I mean? Exactly. So from what I'm understanding is that there was never anyone who forward in a position of leadership and actually denounced the plan of greater the greater Israel project from Israel. No one, there's no one here on record that I, I see that those were their exact words saying they denounced that plan. Um, so if it's a giant conspiracy, why is no one coming forward and saying that they this is not true and this is not a plan? Um, that would be my question, you know, uh, for the main people out there who are scared to talk about the subject. Yes, and like you said, you know, there's nobody that's come forward to denounce the project because this is the plan of the New World Order. You know, we obviously know that the center of the world, according to the Bible, is Jerusalem. So, you know, the Antichrist and his forces, Amen. their main their main goal is to get their hands on Israel. You know, and I have here by Benjamin Disraeli, who I believe he was a former prime minister of Great Britain. He's quoted as saying, the world is governed by different personages from what is imagined by those who are not behind the scenes. So what does that tell us? It tells us that, you know, these people, they portray themselves one way in the media, you know, but behind closed doors, it's a whole totally different story. These are these are the things that nightmares are made of. And this has been a project in the, in greater Israel that there's been certain people that have had their finger on this, right? There's been certain people who are, uh, we would say, not so good people who have uh, highlighted this. And because they did that, this has been labeled a conspiracy theory. And one of those people... Uh, that actually spoke about this 
um, and gave an interview about it was in 1998 was Osama. And he said the military presence in Saudi Arabia was to quote, to support the Jewish and Zionist plans for expansion of what is called greater Israel. Yes, sir. And you know, and we know specifically, you know, that uh, Al Qaeda comes from what used to be called the Mujahideen, which our government back in the 1980s, nearing the time of the Cold War, they formed to fight against the Soviets in Afghanistan. And we know that if you go back in history, most people think that America was the first country in the world to recognize Israel as a state. But if we actually look, it was Soviet, uh, Soviet Russia. So why yes. would a Marxist communist country be representing Israel that's supposed to be the lands of God's people who are supposed to be about freedom and peace and love and, you know, everything that Jesus tells us about? You make great points. I like what you said about that. And we know that, you know, people like Osama bin Laden, these were evil people. But just because they said there was something happening or something else evil there, it doesn't make it not true. It's like just because a, a person says, you know, and you know this person's no good and they come running up to you and say, Chris, there's a fire. This house is on fire. But you know that person's a liar. You know that person's a thief. Doesn't mean you don't think there's a fire there. You still, oh, yeah, there is a fire there. You know what I mean? So this is one of those situations I see. talking about from iron one to iron two and through that entire period of time there's been persecution across that region so i don't think it would be a conspiracy to say there's a greater plan a region under one rule the question is and where people want the information is who is behind that and who is controlling that who is doing that well, we know, obviously, who's behind it all is the globalists, because their plan, mm -hmm. their plan is to bring us all into subjection to their plan. You know, people think that it's all about money. No, it's about control. They want to control us mentally, spiritually, physically, and every facet that they can control us. They want us to be nothing more than serfs, you know, basically mm. going back to the dark ages. Amen. And that was a perfect line that you said was, it's not about the greed or the monetary value so much as it's about control and about understanding today they're collecting so much data on us and everywhere you look there's more data being retrieved and more information being retrieved on us this is all being sent to places we don't know we'll never know and we'll never understand and you will have those people who say well i'm not worried about them having my data well i'm not worried about what they do with this or i'm not worried about what they're doing with any of my information and i would think that is a very pragmatic way of looking at things yes it is you know and specifically we know that Mossad, israeli intelligence agency their motto is by way of deception do warfare 
So it's controlled opposition. You know, there was um, back in 2003 during the time of Saddam Hussein and the invasion of Iraq, you know, there's proof to show us that the Saddam Hussein himself was an ally to the Jews and that he was an uh, he was an asset of the CIA under the control of Bush's father, the senior Bush, the one who in uh, September of 1991 said, we will have a new world order, whether that be by force or whether it be by consent. Amen. You hit the nail on the head. There's information right here and for people to go look at if they want to on uh, rationalwiki.org. General Nassar of Egypt went on about the greater Israel conspiracy, claiming that Israel wanted to annex the whole Middle East, the Arab race, into a horde of refugees. And that's correct. And we've seen, you know, through, um, you know, ever since the invasion of Iraq, it was Iraq, then it was Libya, and then it was Somalia, and then Sudan, and then we know the Darfur region. And all of these things are creating this refugee crisis to create a class of civilizations, East against West, Islam against Christianity. At the end, which Judaism will rise to the top. And um, I actually have a source right here. And this one's going to really perplex the people. This is from Congress.gov. This is H.J. Resolution 104, the 102nd Congress from 1991 to 1992. And then it says, to designate, to designate March 26, 1991 as Education Day USA. Whereas Congress recognizes the historical tradition of ethical value and principles, which are the basis of civilized society and upon which our great nation was founded. Whereas these ethical values and principles have been the bedrock of society from the dawn of civilization, when they were known as the seven no-eyed laws. Whereas without these ethical values and principles, the edifice of civilization stands in serious peril of returning to chaos. Whereas society is profoundly concerned with the recent weakening of these principles that has resulted in crises that beleaguer and threaten the fabric of civilized society. Whereas the justified preoccupation with these crises must not let the citizens of this nation lose sight of their responsibility to transmit these historical ethical values from our distinguished past to the generations of the future. Whereas the Ludovic movement has fostered and promoted these ethical values and principles through the world, throughout the world. Whereas Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, leader of the Ludovic movement, is universally respected and revered, and his 89th birthday falls on March 26, 1991. Whereas in tribute to this great spiritual leader, the Rebbe, this his 90th year will be seen as one of education and giving, the year in which we turn to education and charity to return the world to the moral and ethical values contained in the seven Noahide laws. Whereas this will be reflected in an international scroll of honor signed by the president of the United States and other heads of states. Now there it for be resolved by the Senate and the House of Representatives of the United States of America and Congress assembled that March 26, 1991. Thank you for that. So it didn't just happen overnight. It couldn't have just been something someone thought of in a bedroom. This had to be something somewhere that was actually being mobilized. That is why you see it on congress.gov. There would be no other reason for it. Correct. Some presidents really 
had a expansionist view for Israel. You've had presidents who had, and even and even uh, Trump could be one of those presidents that that will be talked about in history as having a very expanded view of Israel. You want to make sure that when you say certain things that you have proof. So when you're talking about the past, it's easier to prove a lot in the past because we've had more to go back and look and pick through different things and see so many different sources and viable pieces of information. March 12, 1947, President Truman, Harry Truman at the time, he said, and I quote, I believe that it must be the policy of the United States to support free peoples who are resisting attempted subjugation by armed minorities or by outside pressure. Harry Truman also doubled down on that stance and made foreign policy the main theme of his presidency. Now, most of that presidency had a lot of uh, different aspects of the past starting to show themselves. And one of those was China and their civil war, which began in the 1920s, being interrupted and then resuming immediately afterwards. The communists ended up winning that war and implemented a communist regime in China during this time, signing a treaty with the Soviet Union. That brought the increase in military spending This is where the rift came between China and America under that Harry Truman president. And it wasn't a result of anything to do with America and China tensions. This was America through the Middle East to Russia tensions. The Cold War brought a lot of adaptations to long-standing traditions. What's one long-standing tradition that's had changes Christmas. And this is uh, something that every year changes and it's continued to grow into a boiling point. The Cold War went hot on the Korean Peninsula. North Korea invaded South Korea, almost taking them over. President Truman invoked the United Nations. When we talk about Iron One, Iron Two, it's how we got to the United Nations. And a policy policy began at first. Now, why Iron 1 and Iron 2 is so important is because when the United Kingdom came to fruition, they mandated where this Israel region would be. And Chris can speak on that, that the United Nations said Palestine actually belong here. And they told Israel, this is actually your region. So the Greater Israel Project, not only something that when you're talking about Iron 1, Iron 2, you're talking about how from that time period these regions when you're talking about palestine and you're talking about israel have vied for control since that time and before that time so this has been something where it's been at a a a boiling point for a long time when truman was president certain things going on with israel that he wanted to do and, and certain things he could have done in the middle east because there were so many other things going on in Korea and his attention was in so many other places. But when you look at Dwight D. Eisenhower, he had a more ambitious vision for America. He had a more ambitious vision for the American dream to kind of break away from 
the idea that we have to be so hooked onto other countries and their affairs and, and their dealings. That came as a surprise to a lot of people because of war. Truman himself was for the creation of Israel. Truman wanted the creation of Israel. Eisenhower, who Chris has a, a lot of um, very pointed things to say about President Eisenhower, but Eisenhower was skeptical of the creation of Israel. The Nazir regime in Egypt took the Suez Canal. The British and French responded with the military force to drive them out. Eisenhower turned on them in anger and made the French and British leave. Yep. That showed who was calling the shots. So, yes, sir. Eisenhower did certain things because he didn't want the smoke in those areas, in those countries. He didn't want those problems. He wanted that to work itself out. He wanted to focus on the home front. But you had Harry Truman, who was more of a exhibitionist, right? He wanted to get involved in some of these things a little bit, but he couldn't because of the Korean War and how that had shaped. When we went from Truman to Eisenhower, America changed. America changed in a big way. Yes, it now, did. President Eisenhower was a very popular president. And Truman was, I'd say, as popular as Biden. He got the votes. People, or Calvin Coolidge. Or, or Calvin Coolidge. Like he, he, you knew him. You knew he was the president. But you didn't really make a big fuss about it. It wasn't like, oh my goodness, this is like something that I'm jumping up and down about. When Eisenhower, it kind of was because... It felt more of that macho man. Felt more like, oh, here's that, you know, Hollywood Hogan type figure now that we have because he had a very documented career in the armed forces. We could equate that going back a little bit to uh, Theodore Roosevelt and his big stick policy. That's and very that's how good. We got the open door policy with China, and that's where our relations with China really started. And they were good at first, but we see that it's all about the commercialization and the uh, the transfer of wealth you know and that's now what we see going on with this cop 27 summit you know how they want to make us pay for the effects of climate change in third world countries mm -hmm. yes you know We also uh, had some things happening during those years in the 50s uh, to the early 60s. And in 1959, the Batista regime, which was corrupt but friendly to the United States, was overtaken. And at first, the USA embraced Castro, right? The USA embraced Fidel Castro at first. And what did Castro do? He went in the line with the Soviet Union. That is when Eisenhower withdrew his support. In spite of everything, Eisenhower remained popular until 1961 when he left office and he gave a farewell address, January 17th. He warned against the expansion of government. He warned against high-level military preparedness and said that would change the United States. And the last thing he warned about 
was scientific research being controlled by the government. This is a sitting president who's had a decorated military career, who's been an overachiever in his life. And here he is talking to us and warning us about the dangers that lie ahead. Correct. You know, and like, you know, you touched on one point about, um, you know, communism, you know, which this is a little known fact that most people don't know about, but all 10 planks of the Communist Manifesto have already been implemented in, into America. Number one is the abolition of property and land and the application of all rents of land to public purposes, which has been established through zoning laws are the first step to go- government property ownership. A yes. heavy progressive or graduated income tax. Need we say anything? Because if right. we go back to 1895, the Supreme Court ruled that an income tax was unconstitutional. So therefore, they had to make an amendment to the Constitution for them basically to rob us of our hard-earned money. Step three, abolition of all rights of inheritance, read death or estate taxes. Number four, confiscation of the property of all immigrants and rebels. Read the accused, not the convicted, asset forfeiture laws, DEA, IRS, ATF, etc. Five, centralization of credit in the hands of the state by means of a national bank with state capital and an exclusive monopoly. Read the Federal Reserve Bank, fiat paper money, and fractional reserve banking. Number six, centralization of the means of communications and transportation in the hands of the state. Read DOT, FAA, FCC, etc. Seven, Extension of factories and instruments of production owned by the state to bring it again to cultivation of wastelands and the improvement of the soil generally in accordance with the common plan. Read controlled rather than owned or subsidized. Eight, equal liability of all to labor, establishment of industrial armies, especially for agriculture. Read minimum wage and slave labor. You know, like in China, our most favored nation trade partner. Can you figure out why we are partnered with communists? Nine, combination of agriculture with manufacturing industries, gradual abolition of the distinction between town and country by a more equitable distribution of population over the country. Read forced relocations and forced sterilization programs, you know, like in China, or we can go into Planned Parenthood. You know, most people think that, uh, you know, Hitler was the first one to come out with this idea of a super race, you know, but this actually started back in the 1800s with a woman named Madame Helena Petrova Blavatsky, who is the founder of theosophy, which is the idea of blending all saint, all world religions together to worship Lucifer, which we know that theosophy, she was also the teacher of a woman named Alice Bailey and Alice Bailey she founded her and her husband, Foster Bailey, who was a 33rd degree Freemason. They founded a publishing company that originally in the 1920s was called Lucifer Publishing Company. But they changed it to Lucius Trust so that the people wouldn't catch on to it. And Lucius Trust is one of the biggest NGO contributors to the spirituality of the United Nations. Thank you for that. I want to follow up with saying that President Truman was a true lover of reading history. He was really interested in large oracle themes and interested in the Bible. He knew the plight of the Jewish people. Why? Because he read the Bible. He was a Baptist, looked down on in early America. 
he stood to lose a lot as he as he was growing up because of how he believed in God. He started the strong commitment to Israel to address the persecution of the Jews in the Middle East. So his role, his foundation was rooted in a good cause. After Truman and Eisenhower, we got Richard Nixon versus John F. Kennedy. Correct. Kennedy won the election. He was more confrontational towards the Cold War. Kennedy wasn't good at working with Congress. But he was good with the numbers. With his advisors, he was able to help the country get a little bit better of a financial position. Obsessed with Cuba, becoming a communist power. It, it almost came to a war with Cuba, but America's Navy was really able to convince the Soviet Union to ban. Now, President Kennedy was interested in the issue in Vietnam. And he sent 16,000 advisors to review the scene. And this was all before his assassination in no uh, November 22nd, 1963. He campaigned on civil rights. Democrats, Southerners intimidated him from passing Civil Rights Act. And not too long after Kennedy was assassinated, Martin Luther King's assassinated. So we move forward in time to where we get to LBJ, where LBJ came in to be more of a reformer, to be more ambitious. He had to be reelected, right? Because he took over for Kennedy. And who was he up against? Well, he's up against a guy that everybody made out to be a racist and Barry Goldwater. So you end up getting LBJ, the the true democrat of the times of that day would have been a, the closest thing to a democrat at that time and he was the majority leader in the senate sounds a lot like who we all know in biden right he knew the legislative process well he expanded food stamps created all these different programs the jury was kind of still out on how this all was working end of his presidency ended up being the 1965 Watts riots. And then the other riots that happened in Chicago, Detroit, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., Omaha, Newark, New Jersey, and Cleveland, just Watts, California, because of Rodney King. It was all over the country, just like George Floyd, right? There's an increased anxiety now because of these type of incidents. Increased anxiety when we circle back to Jerusalem and we circle back to Israel. And there's an increased anxiety there between people in Israel and people in Palestine. Then you have the threat that's constant from Iran and our American government continues to do a tiptoeing strategy where one day we play friends with Iran and the next day we don't talk to them. We don't pick up their phone call. And that seems to be a pragmatic strategy to me and it seems to increase that anxiety so you have foreign policy blunders after after foreign policy blunders what was weird from america's perspective while israel is growing during all these years palestine is is growing during all these years is you're seeing in america that foreign policy 
when it's at the forefront, has the most problem. When we put foreign policy to the side, it seems to work out a lot better for our country. When we looked at Nixon, was one good thing, and that was withdraw troops out of Vietnam and help in the war in Vietnam. This was something we don't believe that Kennedy would have been interested in because of his commitment to stopping any type of tyrants or any type of evil people in the world and how confrontational he was to the Cold War. It would make sense that that would have been the same messaging for Vietnam. So from that standpoint, Nixon was less aggressive than Kennedy was. Look what ended up happening to Nixon with Watergate and then him being forced to resign. When we finally get to one of the darkest times for America, Cambodia being overthrown, Pol Pot murdered a million of his own people, influenced by Mao and China. This is a very dark time for American morale. In the fall of 1976 was a hopeful time. Jimmy Carter, he was a simple guy, evangelical, peanut farmer, ended up winning the presidency. He took on the energy policy here at home. He failed at controlling inflation. That sounds familiar. It rose to 14.76% in March of 1980. Unemployment was at 8%. And the Shiite Muslim clerics overtook a U.S. embassy in Iran. 400 days this went on. He tried sanctions a commando raid which failed miserably, and then in 1979, the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan. It was on for a transformational leader, and this goes back to what I'm saying about when America has gotten involved in foreign policy and trying to be a policeman, it's backfired. And this is exactly where it backfired on Jimmy Carter. What did we get after Jimmy Carter? Reagan, movie actor, television actor. Critics said he was too old. You know that? You know when Reagan was running for president? He was too old. We got Joe Biden today. And they were saying Reagan was too old back then. Reagan was a little bit of a different guy because he wasn't what's been quoted as eat your broccoli type of Republican, boring, just read you the script and I'm out. No, he wasn't like that. He had some good lines. You know, we know Trump. This is before Trump's rise. This is the 80s, but this is before Trump's rise. And Reagan had those good lines, a lot like FDR in the way he was able to connect with people, but different in how he did it. There was a historian, Alonzo Hamby. He called Reagan the Roosevelt of the right. Establishment Republican. They wanted George Bush Sr. Jimmy Carter ended up losing the election in the 80s. Republicans took the Senate for the first time since 1959. From 1960 until 1980, Pratt's controlled the Senate in America. That's 20 years of control for one party, federally. America was in dire straits. The federal systems were so bloated, so out of control, that until Reagan became president, this wasn't even being touched during the 60s and 70s. It was all about how do we continue to be number one and instead about how do we reinforce the values, reinforce God in America. So Reagan did a lot of good things and there's always going to be critics of every president and that's okay. That's normal. 
But, you know, you give credit where credit's due. From that time period, you have different leaders in Palestine and Israel. And you also have different influences coming from different places like Syria, Libya, and Iran. Jerusalem, where the Greater Israel Project circles back to. Because it has to come from a center point. So it can't just come from the desert, the middle of nowhere. No, it has to be a focal point, a center point. Where does it stem from? Where was it started from? Where was the idea created? Jerusalem. talking about warning signs, when we're talking about things to look out for, just as Dwight D. Eisen about military expansion, we're warning everyone else to look out for certain things. And it's also very troubling is how silent, I mean silent, the Biden administration is on Israel. You can't get anything out of this administration. It's a complete secret. And I don't yep. think that that's talked about at all in any of the media. Um, and I think it's overlooked to focus on the infighting between Republicans and Democrats, which is a complete distraction. So, Chris, what would you say is the biggest warning sign for the greater Israel project? Okay, first, I'd like to start off by saying, you know, that a lot of people, they believe that, um, you know, the whole answer to the Jewish question was originally proposed by Heinrich Reithard at the YMC conference in the 1940s, you know, to deal with the final solution to the Jews, as they like to call it, or the Holocaust, as we know it in retrospect. But uh, a lot of people don't know that Theodore Herschel, who is actually the modern day founder of Zionism, he is quoted as saying that the anti-Semites will be our best friends. You know, and he actually came out with their pamphlet in 1896 titled Der Judenstadt, which has to do with a modern, modern solution to the Jewish question. And he basically proposes that the anti-Semites will be best friends to these Zionists who seek, who, who sought to have a reestablished Israeli state in Palestine. So, like you said, some of the major players that we have to look out for, mm-hmm. you know, are the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these big money names that we've been hearing with associated with all these conspiracy theories, you know, as the well George as, Soros, uh, yeah, exactly, you know, Absolutely. as well as the British, uh, British monarchy, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of speculation, you know, that the United Kingdom is actually the, and they call it Brit- British Israelism. You know, that basically the British crown descends back to King David. So that would mm. basically make Prince Charles the heir to the to the throne of David. You know, and according to their tradition, under the under the throne, they have the stone of scone, which they say that this is the exact rock that Jacob laid his head upon and he met God. Hmm. Well put. Thank Which is sharing. why, if we go back in history, we see that at the behest of the Rothschild family, that they basically mandated to the British government that they reestablish Israel in the Holy Land. 
So we mm. have this connection, you know, like we said in our last show about Neon. Yes, absolutely. And thank you for sharing that. No, I appreciate that. What you said about the United Kingdom and the monarchy fits so eerily well into the ecumenical movement to unite all the religions. United Kingdom that you were saying the monarchy fits right into the ecumenical movement going along with uniting all these religions together Mm -hmm. by doing that they're taking God out of the equation exactly and that comes humanism where man becomes God and that oh we can achieve peace on earth through our own human means right instead of a divine king correct And some of the debate in Israel today that goes on is they're stopping that use of the phrase greater Israel, right? That's like, don't say that, say land of Israel. So that is tossed around a lot. You'll hear land of Israel, and that is often used instead of greater Israel because of the controversy behind greater Israel. Then there's people in academia Hillel Wise, a professor at Barlon University, who promoted the necessity of rebuilding the temple, Jewish rule over greater Israel. There's the political side of it, where the Neset Land of Israel Caucus, one of the largest lobby groups, has its main goal to strengthen Israel's hold on the West Bank. They have a lot of different religious sects over there, right? What you'll see is that we have a lot of extreme Zionists here in America. uh, One by the name of Ben Shapiro. And what does Ben Shapiro say about the people in Palestine? Quoted an exact quote saying, quote, Palestinians love to live in open sewage. So here's some of the extremes that are promoted right here, right in front of us here in America. And they want to try to silence other people who have questions about what is really going on in this greater Israel project. Correct. And like you said, going back to the role of, um, you know, the UK and all these things, I actually have an article here from the Times of Israel post-stamped May 8th, 2022, after 800 years, the Church of England apologizes to the Jews for laws that led to expulsion. Special service attended by UK Chief Rabbi marks anniversary of Sanad of Oxford aims to inspire Christians to reject contemporary anti-Semitism, Archbishop of Canterbury says. Wow, so look at that. We have another connection between the UK and these people who call themselves Jews, you know, but as we read in Revelation 2.9, you know, I know them that say they are Jews, but are a synagogue of Satan. Mm. You know, I know we're getting into some inflammatory language here, but right, right. there's only one group of people that I know of today who say they are Jews and who worship in synagogues. Okay. Mm. And yes. Yes. all of these people, they hate Jesus Christ. You know, they spit on his name, and actually I have some references to the Talmud 
you know, where they say the most blasphemous things. It says, scattered throughout the Talmud, the founding document of rabbinic Judaism in late antiquity can be found a quite a few references to Jesus, and they're not flattering. It says, in this lucid, richly detailed and accessible book, Peter Schaefer examines how the rabbis of the Talmud read, understood, and used the New Testament Jesus narrative to assert, ultimately, Judaism's superiority over Christianity. The Talmudic stories make fun of Jesus' birth from a virgin, fervently contest his claim to be the Messiah and Son of God, and maintain that he was rightfully executed as a blasphemer and idolater. They subvert the Christian idea of Jesus' resurrection and insist he got the punishment he deserved in hell, and that a similar fate awaits his followers. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. Very good points. Very good points. Something else. I want to touch on here and that's some of the the language that's that's coming out of Israel and that and that has come out of Israel uh, and I'll focus right on Israeli uh, Prime Minister Naftali Bennett published by Turkish news outlet TRT World he's seen spouting extremist rhetoric granted the Jews greater Israel which Bennett will strive for not only do you have people like Ben Shapiro who are saying, in quote, the exact quote, Palestinians love to live in open sewage. People in a position of power spewing this type of rhetoric. Correct. Now, it'll say, well, greater Israel is a dubious term. And the reason it's dubious is because it's not a thing at all. And even the most hardcore Zionists have given up on it. Why? Because two problems. One problem that you'll understand is that people have not largely immigrated to Israel as the Zionists originally expected. In fact, the United States has nearly the same population of Jews to Israel, about 6.5 million. That is hardly the kind of population needed to place the existing Arab population of the Middle East or even to the inhabit the lands closely uh, covered by Israel. Secondly, the Palestinian population is growing rapidly, fast, and the people are quite willing to fight it out. Noted by uh, David Kamichi, director uh, of General of Israel's Foreign Ministry in the 1980s, with this. The old Zionist nationalist anthem was a state on the two banks of the River Jordan. When that became impractical, we talked about greater Israel from Jordan to the sea. But people now realize that this too is something we won't be able to leave. Wow. So we have here the director of Israel's foreign ministry talking about how this is something they were no longer going to achieve. Exactly. And then we we also have an article from November 18, 2022 a uh, spiritual advisor to Smotrick backs theocracy. No problem having a halakhic state. So their whole plan is to basically create, you know, and now that we have Benjamin Netanyahu back in power, he has mm-hmm. created the most far-right government in Israel's history, which means we're at the point where this greater Israel project is going to take off, and that's where the Abraham Accords factor into this plan because if we look at all those countries they definitely stretch from the nile to the euphrates that is correct 
They've called it Zionist pipe dream, hysteria, anti-Semitic, dubious. And why is it called all this? This to scare you away from looking into it. It's called all this to keep you focused on a few things that don't have anything to do with the future. If there's nothing to hide, if there's nothing wrong, why do you have to label it a conspiracy theory? Exactly. And my friend, I'm pretty sure that we mentioned in our Neon episode how the conspiracy theory is a term that was actually created by the CIA to yes. dissuade anybody from looking yes, it was. into the true reason behind the Kennedy assassination. Correct. correct. You know, which topping, uh, going back to a couple things that you said about Kennedy, you know, didn't Kennedy say that for we are opposed around the world by a monolithic conspiracy? Yes, he, not he did. Say that? He did not say that. Barry Goldwater, before he was killed in that flight, did he not say that the trilateral commission and the whole purpose of it being created was to combine financial, ecclesiastical, and government control all under one umbrella? Yes, he did. You know, what does the Bible tell us? Doesn't it say that the Antichrist is going to have a one world religion, a one world government, and a one world currency? There's your trilater- yes. trilateral commission, people. Mm-hmm. What you're seeing with the major players, and we're talking about people behind the scenes, not the people you know, not the people you're going to see, not exactly, the George Soros. Right, right. Not not the George Soros and the Rockefellers, exactly. Now, we, we understand who they are. We know who they are. But there's other people, folks, and there's other players. They're not going to come to light. They're not going to show themselves. Okay, because does a wolf show himself before he attacks? No. Because he's got to be able to attack without you seeing him, so you can't touch him. To understand how this game works. And it's a little bit hard, so I hope you today have listened to this with an open mind and an open heart. And you take away something from this. Because we're not, the Greater Israel Project is, uh, what we're doing is relaying the information to you so you can make it up for yourself. Because we want to educate and not necessarily conform you to our way of thinking, but to bring you to a high thinking. And if we can do that, we've done our job today. So when I look at, thank you, appreciate you, Chris. And what else do they not want you to talk about, Chris? Mossad, 2012 Benghazi attack, US bill folding tricks, Statue of Liberty. Tell you that Saudi Arabia, won't allow one synagogue in their whole country, yet they're friends with Israel. But yet mm-hmm. in Iran, there's no, there's a known 60 different synagogues all throughout Iran. So they're yes. so anti-Jewish, they're so anti-Israel, but yet they have all these synagogues that have been there for, you know, centuries. You know, who's the true, who's really pulling the strings, you know? Who's really pulling the strings, exactly. No, great question. To bring clarity to foreign policy in their life and to be able to understand what's really going on in the Middle East. And that foreign policy begins in the Middle East. Doesn't begin in China. Doesn't begin in Russia. It doesn't begin in Korea. No. Let me tell you, and Chris knows it and I know it to be true. It's because there's a holiness in the Middle East. Supposed to be peace in the Middle East, right? But we also know that even in the times before Christianity, there was thoughts, was there not? And as today continues to roll on, they're still fighting in the Middle East. And there's a there's a, a struggle 
power struggle, a spiritual struggle, and a war that continues to threaten the safety of everyone that is going on between Russia and Ukraine today. And what has happened with so many different groups that were so loud when President Trump was in office and so strong in supporting Israel. And now they seem to fade away. And now they seem to fall out of favor with Israel. Where did these groups go? Where did this support fall off at? Because it seems to me like one day we're supporting and cheering Jerusalem. And the next day we're turning a blind eye to the issues that are happening right in front of us. Correct. You know, we're doing that because who's pulling the strings and who's really directing our attention? We know that it's the media, you mm-hmm. know, yes. and for the, you know, for the sake of brevity and to, you know, follow up with our previous, you know, information, you know, it's a known fact that most of these people that control media, you know, they are Jewish. So they're manipulating our they're manipulating our perception of what's going on in the world and they're trying to garner our support and make us feel sympathy for them you know when we know that all wars are banker wars you know there's a yes. um yeah, yeah, yes. they're the most decorated marine corps veteran of history his name is smedley d butler and he he wrote a pamphlet titled war is a racket and he basically said you know that war is the only enterprise in the world where the profits are reckoned in dollars and the losses in human life you know and if we go back all the way as far back as the 1800s we clearly see that the Rothschilds they were manipulating both sides of the French Revolution they manipulated you know the war of 1812 and all other conflicts since then because who gets rich off of us dying the bankers the bankers who who right. continues without all these bankers and without all this flow of money there would be no arms manufacturers there would be no corporations there would be no elon musk or jeff bezos if it wasn't for the love of money which is the root of all evil yes it is amen greed is going to destroy from within inside the country greed will destroy the country and that will trickle out and will have a trickle out effect. May the roots of a tree grow is the same way greed grows. It grows out. And everybody that's touched by it and affected by it, that pain, that sting, that burn that comes with greed because nothing good can come with greed. And until you understand the nature, and until you understand the value of the dollar, you never will really truly be able to be above it or rise above it when you fall out of line which you will because we all will because we all are going to sin so when you do you need to be able to catch yourself how do you do that right with god now if you're not right with god how else do you catch yourself because who else is going to be there for you you can't Amen. count on anybody else so you need today and not tomorrow but today and you need to not wait around to do right today is the day you need to do right need to understand the value that not only you have in the dollar but the value you have in your connection with the almighty god because we all like to say you need to chase the almighty dollar but you need to be making sure you're chasing the almighty dollar so that way you can make sure your relationship to god is even stronger not so you can make sure your relationship to worldly things are stronger because we all see the pair of shoes we want 
and the new car and the new flashy designs, but put a value on it, put stock in, is that connection you're going to have with God, not with the man-made things. And see, that's when we've talked so much about neon and look what they've done with all of these man-made things to get people what to come there and spend money. Why? Greed is the root of all evil. Amen. You know, brother, and like you, like uh, I want, I would like to say something. You know, that I hope Absolutely. our listeners that they'll really take into consideration that you know, like you were saying, that we always have to lean upon God. Yes. Know? And Amen. the question that I would like to propose is, is that if we don't have this holy Bible which we know that there's more copies, there's more ancient documents to verify the veracity of the claims of the Holy Bible than the Bhagavad Gita, than the Quran, than the Talmud, than all of these other ancient documents combined. Yes. Yet we still go against it. So at the end of the day, who is the judge of what's right and wrong? Is it me? Is it you, dear listener? Is it the government? Or is it God? We need to right. bring God back we need to look into the Bible and search for ourselves. Jesus said, study to show thyself unto, approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth. Okay? We don't need somebody to tell us that murder is wrong. We have it inherent and in, inside of ourselves. We know that it is wrong. Amen. But yet we, we like to quiet that voice because we like to determine what's right and what's wrong. We yes. like to justify, you know, oh, well, if I go out and shoot a man, that's murder. Oh, but if I go into an abortion clinic and kill this child that's unborn, oh, it's not murder. Amen. You're just justifying murder. You know what? Amen. No matter what way you paint or you shape it or you form it, the truth is the truth and the truth will stand on its own. It doesn't need me to speak for it. It doesn't need my brother Preston to speak for it Amen. because it will speak loud enough on its own. Yes, and I it just will. hope that you really take away from this show that it isn't about the greater Israeli project. It isn't about the powers that be. It isn't about or the greater ne- hand at play. Yep. Yep. Or, You're yeah, right. Or Neum, you know, yep. but it's a fact, you know, that they can call a conspiracy all they want, you know, but we clearly read in God's word and Psalms two. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, and the Lord shall have them in derision. So what does it clearly tell us from the Holy Bible all the way back in Psalms, written, you know, thousands of years ago, 3,000 years ago? That they're the kings of the earth and the rulers of the earth, they take counsel against the Lord and his anointed. So doesn't that sound like a conspiracy, people? This yes. isn't something that just started yesterday. This isn't something that started with Dwight D. Eisenhower or Truman or FDR mm-hmm. or Teddy Roosevelt or even Theodore Herzl. These are all just pawns in the game. Which yes. is actually a wonderful book that I would love you guys to check into by a naval commander from the Canadian Navy named William Guy Carr. And he, he goes in to show how all these things in history, they play up into what we call the world revolutionary movement. You know, that it's people like um, Obama, who was a student of Saul Alinsky, you know, or um, Frank Davis, you know, who was a known communist, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and that basically, you know, Martin Luther King, he was a heretic, too. 
He doubted the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. He doubted that he was born of a virgin. So therefore, he is a heretic. Amen. You know, he preached a social gospel. The Lord clearly tells us at 1 John 5, 19, and we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And it also says in uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that Satan is the God of this world. That's right. And this world is going to get better. This world is going to hell in a handbasket. You know, nothing lasts forever. The only thing that is eternal is God. The only way you can really truly understand that is by believing without a reasonable doubt. That's what faith is. You believe no matter what the evidence says, I believe in God. And you stand up and you have to say, you believe. And you have to say it over and over again. And see, that's what we have to do. We have to come together and make it plain for people. Because if we don't, it gets harder and harder for them. America is destroying itself from within. And that is one thing God has seen. And that is what people are seeing. That we're destroying each other. So it's not like someone has to come and do anything to us. We beat each other up every time we can whether it's on the internet or whether it's in person. Chivalry died a long time ago. I want to clear the air and make clear at the end of our documentary. And I hope you enjoyed it. I really do. We are not implying or condoning the greater Israel project, nor the Antichrist being in Israel. We are looking into this mixed messaging for a sign of the Paul bearer to the end of times from a biblical perspective written in the book of Revelations from the Holy Bible. In conclusion, after comparing data, and looking objectively at all arguments surrounding the Greater Israel Project, I want to address a few key aspects of our conversation. First, I want to let you know, just as Martin Luther King had his doubts, we all have had our doubts, and that's where we come to a resolution. MLK still remains one of my heroes to this day. I have a deep respect and admiration for the state of Israel, even more so the Jewish people. They have a special place in my heart as they do in God's heart. The Holy Bible says just that. The God of Abraham is my God. The point of our conversation today and the meaning behind it is to point out multitudes of hypocrisy and mislabeling from the media. Furthermore, whether the Greater Israel Project exists, existed, or is just a conspiracy built on a foundation of ancient themes is something I will leave up to you, the audience, as any good Christian or filmmaker should. I focus more on the education one can grasp from the subjects we spoke about today. More than being right or wrong, moral and social judgmental people should be removed from the church as it says in the book of Malachi. At the end of the day, you can yell and shout someone down all you want. Only God has the answers, and only God is right. I hope you enjoyed our conversation, and hope you have a renewed spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.
Palms 37-4. Ladies and gentlemen, just like the hands of time, I'm turning it over to you. Good night and God bless.